Okay, impromptu recording session on the side of the road. I'm in the van, but I'm pulled over. I'm listening to Jordan Peterson and Jimmy Carr. Fucking amazing. I'm about an hour in and about 45 minutes to go. Highly recommend that podcast to anybody who's an interest in conversation. It's fucking brilliant. Jimmy Carr's sound is shocking, but you're just going to have to fucking suck it up. Uh, he's in an echoey room. Now, it's audible. You can hear it, um, but it's just not ideal. But anyway, he's after saying something that after kind of hitting me a little so he was saying that that he believes in wishing wells and he said I think by his own admission he said he's going to sound like an old hippie here but he thinks that they work he thinks that wishing wells work and when he said it I was like where are you fucking going with this car you mad cunt and what he was saying was that wishing wells work way ahead of time they don't work when you get there and you you know, wish upon the wishing well for the thing. He's making the claim that the reason they work is because you've got something to wish for. So it's as soon as you kind of go, you have that light bulb and you're like, oh, that's the thing that I really want. And then you make your kind of pilgrimage as such to the wishing well and, and you wish for that thing. But the, the benefit in going to the wishing well isn't going to the wishing well. It's actually having the wish. And he makes the or he, he makes the point that a lot of people go to wishing wells and they, they wish for a million euro. And like you're you're essentially wishing for nothing there. You're you're just wishing for I don't know I don't know what you'd actually I don't know what you'd actually call it, but stuff. Just you're not you're not wishing for something specific. And it, the, the benefit in going to a wishing well or making wishes, it's not in the act of wishing for it. It's in the it's in the knowledge of what it is that you would wish for or that you would get if you were granted it. It's knowing what it is that you want. That's the fucking... That's the gift of wishing. And I was thinking, I wonder is that synonymous with prayer? So people pray for things to happen. And scientifically speaking, prayer technically kind of works, I think. That's my understanding of it, at least. And what I mean by that is, people who pray, I think, are reliably more satisfied with them with themselves. I think it's self-reports, which are always a bit sketchy, but people who pray regularly tend to be do-betting, tend to be do... Try that again. They tend to be doing better psychologically than people who don't. And I wonder if you equate praying with wishing, which is, you know, six of one and half a dozen of the other. Maybe the benefit in praying for something is found in knowing what it is that you want. Knowing the, like, if you, if you pray for somebody to get better, the gift is in knowing that that person is so important to you as opposed to them actually getting better. The gift of prayer and the gift of wishing, I'm just thinking out loud, I'm wondering, is the benefit in doing those two things found in knowing exactly what it is that you want? And I'm going to tie this back in with yesterday's episode. So I kind of, in a roundabout way, blurted out that I have ambitions to be a public speaker. And I'm just wondering, is there something to that? Is there something to the realisation that that's something that I might maybe kind of want to maybe strive towards? Because it's something that, it comes naturally 
to me to a degree. It's something that I go out of my way to do. I'm, I was under no pressure to do 42 episodes in 42 days. It's not as if I'm going to have a publisher breathing down my neck going, where are me fucking podcasts, Rano? Jesus Christ. Like, I could just not do this. But I feel compelled to do it and I enjoy doing it and I reap the benefits of doing it. Earlier in the conversation, Cara mentioned the difference between envy and jealousy and as as he yeah, saw it. But to do more, to be carbon neutral. Why is my radio coming on? Apologies. Shut up. He was talking about, as he saw it, the difference between jealousy and envy. And he was saying that jealousy is looking at someone and going, oh, look at that fucking prick with his fucking stuff. What a wanker. Or I hope that dickhead doesn't get that promotion that he's always fucking talking about getting because he's a fucking prick. And it's a real negative ending. It's a real negative emotion. But envy is, you're looking at what somebody else has, you're like, oh, fuck, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love that car, or I'd love that wife, or I'd love that job, or I'd love that whatever. And he was saying the positive spin on envy is, it highlights to you what it is that you want. Because a lot of us, when we're asked directly, like, you know, what do you want? Like, if I was to, if you were to fucking rub a lamp and out pops a fucking genie, well, hey, well, ho, who, how are you? You have a fucking wish, bitch. What is it? You can wish for anything in the world. Like, what are you wishing for? And I think that the people who can answer that, and where, and by answer it, I mean they don't just go, oh, 100 million euro! Because that's not anything specific. That's just, I don't know what it is. But it's, it's not nearly specific enough because once you have that 100 million quid, you're left with the question of what you're going to fucking spend it on. So... Forget about any kind of cash prize. Like, what do you want? And I've, I've, I've spoken about this in a roundabout way before. I've talked about how the question of what would you do if you didn't have to work? Now, it's often posed as, you know, what would you do if you won the lotto? And typically what people will say back to you is, Oh, how much are we talking? Like, is it a million or two? Or is it like the euro millions? Is it 200 million? And it's like, because when you say, okay, it's, 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 it's 500 million quid, they're like, oh yeah, well I'd buy a newspaper and I'd buy a fucking, like a newspaper company and I'd buy a yacht. And you're into all this fucking nonsense talk. But if you change it a little and say, you know, it's, it's 700 quid a week, which is take home, which is a fucking decent wage, say, these days. That's what you get. That goes into your bank every week. And you don't have to work for it. You don't have to do anything for it. What are you going to do with your life? Now, some people would say, Oh my God, I just stay at home and paint 24 hours a day. It'd be the best thing ever. But those people are in a fucking, like a pronounced minority. And I don't even know myself what it would be. I suppose it would probably be taking on the whole off the lead thing full time. I'm still figuring out what that is. But that's that's part of the of the creativity and the things that I mentioned over the last couple of days. That's part of my of my openness, my defining characteristic of my personality. I like the adventure. I like I like not knowing where I'm going, but feeling like I'm possibly, maybe, kind of, sort of going in the right direction. That's what keeps me. That's what keeps me engaged. And being, I, I love being engaged. Everybody loves being engaged. I remember hearing a great line before me that loves my little sayings. There's no such thing as being... There's no such thing as boredom. If you're not bored, you're uninspired. And I love that because if you're inspired by something, if you have a, a calling in life, if you have a, 
if you have a sense that your destiny is to do something, anything, it doesn't really matter what it is per se, but if it's just, if you have your own little calling, it could be fucking knitting for all I give a shit. But if you have something that deep down inside your bones, you want to be and feel you need to be and want to become, you can't have that and be bored at the same time. And another thing about me is, I don't have, as a 38-year-old man, I don't have that one thing that I've always wanted to be. And I remember, I'm going to tie this in with my dad a little. So I remember my dad saying to me when I was, I don't know what age I was, I was 13 when he died, so I was younger than 13 when he said it. He mentioned that, I think I had said to him, Jesus, Dad, you're great. You can, you know, you can do a bit of carpentry. You can do a bit of plumbing. You can do a bit of tiling. You know, he he built the house that I now live in, and you know, hat off, Dad. And I remember him think, I remember him saying to me, Ah, yeah, you know, being a jack of all trades is great, but nobody ever rings me for advice. And we got talking about, it. and people rang him all the time. Like, if, if you were a problem, if you had a, a leaking tap, a light bulb that wasn't working, the power was out and you didn't know why, there was a pothole in your fucking driveway, there was a loose roof tile, you know, it didn't matter what it was. If my elbow wasn't able to fix it for you there and then on the fucking spot, he'd either come back and fix it or come back and make it way better than it was until, you know, an appropriately qualified person could come along and replace it or do what needed to be done. But nobody ever rang my dad for his expertise because he wasn't an expert in anything. And that, I I really think, now I stand to be corrected on this because, you know, it's a very distant memory, but it's something that I'm just kind of left with. I got the impression, maybe even just from that one moment, or maybe it come up a couple of times between me and him, but I got the impression that he really would have loved to have an expertise in something. Because there was people he'd ring. So if there was a, if he was in financial bother and needed somebody who knew about finance, he'd, he'd have a finance guy that he'd ring, or maybe two or three of them. Because this is pre the internet. And if you needed to know something about something, you had to know somebody who knew something about it. You couldn't just fucking Google it. Like, this was literally pre-internet. Not pre-search engines, pre-fucking-internet. And I think it, it really bugged him that nobody ever rang him for, for expertise. Because, as I said, if he needed a financial thing, he had a financial guy. If he was rewiring the fuse box in the house, that might be a little bit above his jack-of-all-trades ability, but he knew, he'd he know an electrician or two or three who he could call and who he could ask. And the same for plumbing and fucking medical things and everything else. He had go-to guys that he could ring for advice, and I think that's something that's been lost a little in modern society with the, with the rise of the internet. But anyway, and I'm a bit of a jack-of-all-trades. So on the trade end of things, you know, I can do the electrical work, I can do the plumbing work, I can do the carpentry work, I can do the plastering, there's loads of stuff that I can do, I can do the landscaping and all that jazz, I can do the sales, I'm half decent with computers and all the rest of it, I can do all that and I can obviously do the podcasting thing, I can do the martial arts thing, I can do the poetry thing, I have 101 different bows for 101 different types of arrow and that's great, it's something that I really like about myself, but in in similarity, what I have in similar with my dad is I'm, no one ever rings me either for, the, for my expertise because I'm not an expert in anything. 
People might ask me, oh, you know a bit about fucking everything. You hardly know a bit about this thing. But they're not ringing me for my expertise. They could replace me with any other jack-of-all-trades cunt, and it'd make no difference. But I heard a, I think it was a, a Friedrich Nietzsche quote, and I'm going to butcher it as always, but you get the sentiment. He said something along the lines of, we don't start living our true lives, or we don't become our true selves, or we can't get the best of us the best of us doesn't manifest itself in us. Something along those lines. Until we rebaptize the worst of us as the best of us. That's the important key part. We can't be all that we can be, let's say, until we rebaptize the worst of us for the best of us. Like the worst part of us as the best part of us. And I was like, fucking hell. It just really made me fucking scratch my head. And I started thinking about the podcast in particular. Because it was just at the fore of my mind when I was when I heard that quote. And I've beaten myself up about the podcast a little for 101 different reasons, but one of them has been, uh, would you fucking do a podcast about fucking something? Because you can't, it can't be about, you know, fucking human beings being uh, creatures that live on the sky floor one day and the James Webb telescope the next day and the difference between your ego and your soul the next day. And all that jazz. Like, fucking hell, like, put it between two fucking lines and make it a lane and have a, have a proper fucking direction. You can't be fucking at everything all the time because if you're at everything all the time, you're at fucking nothing. But if I rebaptize that as the best thing that I do, and again, it, all it is, all it is is just a change in perspective. That's all it fucking is. It's another thing that I fucking rabbit on endlessly about is this idea of perspective perspective just changing the angle that you view something from so instead of beating myself up over not having a thing make everything my thing and on that note i'll chat you tomorrow